We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. That one is easy to fit. But what about Beasley? Like, is Beasley a guy they're actually going to use? If you missed Bill Barnwell earlier with Shope and the Bulldog, he had a lot of good things to say on them at receiver. John Brown is going to be, ideally when he's healthy, a downfield weapon for Josh Allen. That makes total sense as far as quarterback and receiver go. Cole Beasley uh, is going to be a guy who's going to get some easier yards for Josh Allen, some safer throws, going to be a safety valve, which is what he was for Dak Prescott in Dallas. And I think, you know, this offense might come down to whether Robert Foster looks like the guy we saw during the final few weeks of 2018 where he looked like a possible breakout receiver for the Bills. So I think it's going to be, there's upside in all those positions there. Now, I don't disagree with him there. That's Bill Barnwell. He, but he kind of mentions Brown and Beasley in the same light as they're sure things, their roles are sure things. And in a way, that's correct. We know Beasley, I think, is the number one slot receiver. We know John Brown is going to be one of the top two receivers. We'll see if Jones gets more playing time than Foster or Foster gets more than Jones. I think he'd be the leader in the clubhouse right now for that would be Robert Foster. But we should pretty much know that Brown and Beasley are going to have their snaps. But what about their targets? Are we just going to assume that Allen's going to use Beasley? I wasn't in that position thinking that. But today, seeing that from from Matt Perino, that Isaiah McKenzie, seven targets in week 14, seven targets in week 15, eight targets in week 16. Remember that game against Miami down the stretch? Allen on that last drive, who was he looking to? Isaiah McKenzie. Who I like as a player a lot, given where you got him. For nothing, off waivers, middle of the season. And, I mean, think think about what they did at receiver last season. I was very impressed that the Bills finally, finally figured out what you had to do with that position. It wasn't about catch radius. It wasn't about big. It wasn't about jump balls. It was about getting open and speed. And they quickly turned around from the Kelvin Benjamin, uh, Andre Holmes experience into Isaiah McKenzie and Robert Foster. And the difference was night and day. How does Beasley fit into that with the rest of them? He's going to get his targets, you would think. But where does that leave McKenzie? Like, is he going to be on this team? I want to see him on this team. If that means keeping six receivers, fine. If that means moving on from Zay Jones, fine. If that means keeping seven receivers, because Duke Williams is looking really good too, fine. I really like him as a player, and when I saw that stat from Matt Perino, that's kind of highlighted that in my mind. And then looking at the Bills at running back, that was another topic of conversation today. That's the position being talked about the most in the NFL because of Melvin Gordon, because of Ezekiel Elliott, and... The Bills are not in a position to be looking outside their organization for running back. They have enough of them, clearly. But Melvin Gordon, to me, is not out of their th- out of their line of thinking, I would think. Like, I think they would be thinking about that. If the price is good, would they trade for Melvin Gordon? I wouldn't want them to. I think it would be a terrible idea, but I could see them going for it. Because... While the Bills, as I just mentioned, figured out last year what they needed to change at wide receiver and made that change, 
what they have yet to do at running back and figure out at running back is they need to go for youth and they need to go for the pass-catching, versatile backs. Look at the New England Patriots. I know you can't build your team exactly the way New England does in every facet, but, you know, everyone says copycat league. Here's one, here's one position where you should be copying. Look how they do it. They don't extend guys at least to monster contracts. They don't go out and sign the biggest names in free agency. But what do they do? They bring in running back after running back after running back that's able to do not only the stuff you need out of the backfield, but a lot of times can line up at wide receiver. I mean, Wes Welker, not Wes Welker, Julian Edelman gets suspended last year. Who's the guy playing slot receiver? It's a running back. It's Rex Burkhead. Brady drops back. He's in a five-wide set. Who's one of the receivers? Almost every time. James White, a running back. They drafted a guy out of Alabama, Damian Harris, who's another good pass-catching back. Sony Michelle, whom I wouldn't describe him as a pass-catching back, is very good at it as well, and he did a lot of that at Georgia. The Patriots have four running backs that when any of them are on the field, you have no idea what kind of play they're going to call. None. Because all four of them can give you that versatility. And here's the Bills. And they don't have the youth at that position. They have talent for sure. But you also have two guys, I would say, and Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon where they're on the field. And I would even throw Devin Singletary into this because until we see that he can be a reliable pass catcher in the NFL, I don't think we can assume it's going to happen given he didn't do it almost at all in college. Like no, no body of work in the receiving game for Singletary in college. He might be able to do it, but it, until now, or up until right now, maybe McCoy is the only guy on your roster where you really, you know, you really have to guess at what the Bills are going to do play call wise. Because I get on McCoy and I kind of want to see him traded, and I wouldn't even be against them cutting him, but. I will acknowledge that I think he's the most balanced back of these four. He's a good receiver. Is he a great one? Probably not. But he's a good one, even now. And they're going to use him as his featured back. He's the guy that, I mean, was the running back when the Bills led the league in rushing. They're going to use him in both capacities. Right now, if I'm a defense and Devin Singletary comes on the field, until I see he can catch the ball, or he's a rookie with the pass blocking, I'm probably thinking that's going to be a run play. TJ Yeldon comes on the field. A very accomplished wide receiver as a running back. Very accomplished receiver as a running back. Doesn't really run the ball all that well. What what am I thinking when TJ Yeldon comes on the field? It's probably a pass play. Frank Gore comes on the field. He might be closer to McCoy than the other two because even though he's not very dangerous as a pass catcher, he's probably the one of the best run blocking or pass blocking running backs in the league. Or he at least gets that credit, that type of credit. So Gore, maybe you're getting me a little bit closer, but if I see Frank Gore come on the field, I'm probably thinking that it's a run play. So that's three of the Bills' four backs that it's hard to say right now that they're really all that versatile. And the other guy, who is versatile, took a big step back last season, and you have to wonder whether he has hit the wall. And the rookie, you're hoping, can do it. So, Gordon, to me, talking about him now, 
because it doesn't sound like anything's closer than it was a few days ago that he's going to sign with the Chargers and that they're even offering him a long-term extension. What is Melvin Gordon as a player? He's a good running back. Is he a great running back? I would argue that he is not. The other thing I would argue he is not is a very versatile running back. When I think of Melvin Gordon, I think of the guy who is first and second downs, and then ideally the Chargers like to throw Austin Eckler onto the field because he's more electric, he's a better pass catcher, he's a little bit more dynamic, and even though he's like five foot seven or whatever he is, he's the guy that a lot of times they like to have out there in passing downs. Now that's not to say Gordon is a bad pass catcher. He's got the numbers for it, for sure. 50 catches two years in a row. That's pretty good. But to me, that's more a product of the offense than it is the player. You watch him and you watch Eckler in L.A., and it's pretty clear to me to see who the better pass catcher is. Gordon's out there getting screen passes, and like I get it. like He's used, but it's mainly because he's the starting running back, less that, and he's the guy in the field, less, less than it is that he's the best one at it. So if he comes here, first of all, you're giving up way too much for a running back, and the Chargers are going to want a lot. You're paying a guy like that huge money. You never, to me, want to be paying a running back big money in the first place, given how inexpensive a lot of the really good running backs in the league are. And generally, I'd like to be using guys on their first contract. They get to their second. You know, you've probably only got a few years left in a lot of situations. So the money is a bad idea. To me, he's an overrated player. One season out of four, above four yards a carry. Maybe not the best pass catcher in the world. So what am I doing? But I would not put it by the Bills to do it. Because, as I laid out before, wide receiver, they did figure it out. They got away from the size, they got away from the age, they went for speed, and they went for youth. Running back, they have not done it. They started with Mike Tolbert as the backup to McCoy. They went to Chris Ivory as the backup to McCoy. They really had to, to scratch and claw to find a guy that was a good pass catcher in Travaris Cadet a couple years ago to help ascend them into the playoffs, make their offense a little bit more dynamic. And that was a guy you found on the street halfway through the season. Their plan for a complementary back has yet to work. And here's Frank Gore who I think is better than Chris Ivory, and I think is a whole lot better than Mike Tolbert. So don't get that wrong. Like Tolbert was, I could not believe he was on this team. Couldn't When they signed him, I couldn't believe he was on his team. And then when he started playing, I couldn't believe he was still playing. So Gore, don't get me wrong, he's a lot better than that. But stylistically, what is he? If he's your complimentary back, it's along the same lines. It's a guy who, honestly, his number one asset to his game is probably his physicality. And this is not 2002. The elite offenses of the league are building their offenses with great pass-catching running backs. New Orleans with Camara, Carolina with McCaffrey. New England with all of their pass-catching backs. Why do you think Cleveland is holding tight to Duke Johnson right now? Duke Johnson doesn't have the best rushing numbers ever. The guy catches passes. Indy with Marlon Mack. Like, all of these guys have a really good capability to line up at wide receiver even and play well there. David Johnson, I know Arizona wasn't a very good offense last year, but when they were good two years ago with him, three years ago with him, he was lining up at wide receiver and beating cornerbacks one-on-one. 
That's where I want to ultimately get to. And that could happen after this year because they only have one running back under contract after this year. It's only Singletary. McCoy's got one year left. Gore's got only had one year. Yeldon only got the one year. All the other guys, Christian Wade, the, the international player, would be there, I guess. But you, they have an opportunity to make over the position. But what evidence have we seen that they know how to make over that position? Because stylistically, they've been going against the grain that the good offenses go. And that's not the way to build that position. And Singletary, you know, I'm very, like I said, I'm hopeful that he's going to be able to turn into a pretty reliable pass catcher. But it's not a surprise to me, given what all those complimentary backs I just mentioned that the Bills brought in, it's not a surprise to me that Singletary, the guy they drafted, in this draft class of the guys that went pretty high, was the least accomplished receiver of them. Are the Bills going to show that they value the pass-catching aspect of the running back position? Because that's how the league is going. That's how it's going. Drew Brees drops back the pass. He want, you want him to have a guy like Alvin Kamara that he can dump it off to and can take it to the house if he, once in a while. And who is that guy for Allen? At least out of the backfield... I don't think they have it. McCoy, I think it's it's fair to say he still definitely has he has the the agility, he has the moves, like he can still cut on a dime and make a guy miss in space. But from what I saw last year, I don't really think he has that home run speed anymore, and he never was really the fastest running back in the world anyway. And the other guys don't really have that to their game either. So I don't know. The other thing too, I mean, when you look at workload, it's going to be split up in four ways if they're all here. But what does that look like? I don't know. My, my educated guess at it would be like McCoy gets 30%, Gore gets 30%. Like to me, they should be on an even playing field right now. Gore was better than him last year, and I think that should count for something. Uh, Singletary at 20, maybe a lot of that comes in the second half of the year. Yeldon at 20, he's the best pass catcher on, on the team running back-wise. But even him, like I liked that signing. But that's also not a home run guy. Yeldon, he actually kind of reminds me of what Fred Jackson was as a pass catcher. Like, if you remember Fred Jackson, like he was, and I'm sure everybody does, Fred Jackson was a very good pass catcher. But he wasn't because he was going to take a screen pass to the house. He was just kind of, you know, subtly good at it. Like, he had solid hands, he was a good route runner, he wasn't the most electric in the world, but he was very reliable in, in pass catching. And to me, that kind of is what Yeldon is. Yeldon's not going to outrun every defensive back to take it to the house. He's not going to make four or five guys miss. But pretty good hands, has a good sense to get to open space, and he makes it work that way. Fred Jackson, by the way, I mean, I just looked up his stats. He was a lot more accomplished as a pass catcher than even I thought he was. He had 90 targets his last season with the Bills. Think about that. Fred Jackson, his final season with the Bills at age 33, had 90 targets. And he was pretty good on those 90 targets. 66 catches for 500 yards and a touchdown. 65 targets the year before. 42 targets the year before and half a season. 50, 54, 61. So that's kind of, to me, like, he's along the same lines as Yeldon. Although, I don't think Yeldon's going to give you the same rushing ability. But, you know, I, I, he might. Depends who's here. Does someone come knocking with an offer for McCoy? Does Singletary really get out of the gate slow? 
Like there could be an opportunity for Yeldon, but I think he would certainly rank fourth uh, among the four backs right now in terms of who. Like if you had to project touches for the season, he's probably fourth. Even if he might be first in catches, he's probably fourth in touches. 8030550 is the phone number. I talked a lot about Madden in the past couple days. I did my fixes for the ratings. Yesterday I did it on the defense. Uh, Monday I did it on the offense. And funny enough, I come in today, one Bills live, there's Murph and Tasker, and they're talking. And who are they talking to? Clint Oldenburg, a ratings adjuster from EA Sports going over the Bills ratings. We're going to play some of him back when we return because a lot of people, especially gamers, they like especially Bills fans that are gamers, little up in arms on some of the ratings, especially on defense. I mean, some of the defensive ones were just a flat-out joke. So we'll play some of him when we come back on with One Bills Live. 803-0550 is the phone number for your thoughts. What kind of role do you see each of these Bills running backs having this season if they are all on the team? Um, specifically, Yeldon, the pass catcher, is there more to his game? Who is going to be the guy that is getting lots and lots of targets in the pass game? Because in today's NFL, you need one of your running backs to be able to do it. 803-0550 is the phone number. You can also hit us up on the text line, 550-550, or on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Nothing's changed. The offseason additions are still there. They still took care of the line of scrimmage. Ty Nsecki, a tackle Adrian okay. Waddle, Jake Fisher. The line of scrimmage is taken care of. Oh, and you got Frank Gore, future Hall of Famer, TJ Yeldon. And I love the kid, Devin Singletary, that they drafted loaded. this year. They are loaded in the backfield. What's going to stop them other than themselves and Josh Allen talking about how mature he's getting? But he's, you know I'm getting there. more picks than touchdowns. So what? That was last year. We don't worry about the past. We worry about the future. Okay, so Michael Robinson from NFL Network thinks the Bills are going to win the AFC East. That's what that is. Um, by the way, he mentions Jake Fisher in there. I don't think Jake Jake Fisher spent like three weeks with the Bills, and that was like two months ago. So I'm not sure he ever put on a helmet. So I wouldn't factor him into the reason that's going to happen for sure. I've talked about it the past couple days. Like I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but what I am saying is I'm, I think I'm reaching a place where the division is more likely than the wild card, given what this conference is setting up to be this season and the fact that you've got to be better than 10 teams instead of one. I get it. New England. They're New England. But I thought Bill Barnwell put it perfectly. They are due for some sort of regression. It might be very minuscule, and they might even figure it out by the second half of the season. But Brady's numbers without Gronkowski are nothing to be ignored. He's still, what's the word I want to use here? I'll, I'll say he was. he's still very good when Gronk wasn't playing. But he was elite still when Gronk was playing. So, I mentioned this the other day, how Odell Beckham covered up the, 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 the downturn that Eli Manning took in his career. Odell Beckham extended Eli Manning's career. The year before Beckham gets there, Eli leads the league in interceptions with a number that we never see anymore. 26 interceptions in one year is insane. Beckham shows up, and Eli's back to being an average quarterback. And he gets to keep playing. And I'm all I'm saying is maybe Gronk was doing a, a similar thing in that he was making look making Brady look a little bit better and he was hiding some of the 
some of the uh, the downfalls or the the deficiencies that Brady maybe has developed over the years. But we haven't seen them because he's playing with the best freaking tight end we've ever seen in our lives. The best ever. Just saying it's a maybe. But I'm not ready to just throw out Brady's numbers without Gronkowski because they're New England and they're just New England. That's the answer. No, there's reason to think there's going to be some sort of regression there. Are they still the favorites? Are they still the heavy favorites? Absolutely. But to think that it won't be easier in any way to catch them when they lost the best tight end in the history of the game. I don't think you're giving Gronk enough credit for how good he was and how important he was to that team. Every time we would play New England, it the same question happens every time, right? It's, how do you stop Brady? Oh, we should blitz him this week. Oh, we should rush four and drop everyone into coverage. Make him, uh, make him make a decision. We should force him into the run game. Drop everyone in coverage. Play with four corners. Play with five corners. Blitz the hell out of him. Bring the corners on blitzes. What? It's all been tried. It's all been done. But what, what else have we talked about every time we play New England? How do you stop Gronkowski? The first thing I heard when they drafted Tremaine Edmonds is, now you've got a guy that can cover Gronkowski. 6-5. Can run with him. Finally. How do you cover Gronk? Put a corner on him. Maybe Micah Hyde can do it. Have Jerry Hughes bump him on the line of scrimmage and then have a corner cover him. Every time we would talk about New England, that stuff would come up. And that's part of them. That was part of their unstoppability. That's gone. And even if it comes back, which I think Andy Hart mentioned this on the station yesterday. He covers the Patriots in for uh, WEI. Gronk might come back. I actually think he will come back. But look what he looks like. He's lost 30 pounds. And I thought Andy Hart made a very good point yesterday when saying if Gronk does come back, it's probably going to look like a guy who's a situational pass catcher. The days of him blocking defensive ends and chipping defensive tackles or pass rushing linebackers like the Jadavian Clownies and J.J. Watts, like those days are over. If he's going to come back, he's going to be playing lighter. He's not going to be taking as much damage doing the blocking aspect of it. He might even, he'll be like, he'll almost be like an NBA player. Like they're going to be th- probably thinking a lot about his body. How do we get it to last? And if that's the case, he's probably just going to play wide receiver. I can't imagine he'd be blocking that much if he does come back. That's how his body broke down. Doing that for 10 years. Ramming into the biggest fo- football players in the world. Some of the best pass rushers in the world. So, I'm willing to sit here and say that I'm thinking about the division. At least a little bit. 8030550 is the phone number if you got any thoughts on that. We'll play some back now, though, of uh, some Madden talk. Clint Oldenburg from EA Sports was on One Bills Live earlier today, giving some reasonings for some of the just poor, poor, poor Bills ratings. How Tredavis White was the 21st ranked corner in the game to start is, an out, is a joke. That's a slap in the face of Trey White. He's closer to first than he is the 21st. I think he's a top five corner in the game, and I don't think that's me being biased. I think if I said he's the best corner in the game, that would be me being biased. But he's—I think he's a top five guy. Madden had him as twenty-first for 
Some sort of explanation on that and some of the other players as well. Clint Oldenburg from EA Sports on One Bills Live earlier today. This is the week when Madden 20 comes out, and we've got on the line with us right now a Madden NFL gameplay designer, ratings adjuster, former NFL offensive tackle, former fifth-round pick of the Patriots in 2007. Happy to welcome Clint Oldenburg back to the show. Hello, Clint. John Murphy, Steve Tasker here in Buffalo. I think we had you on uh, this week last year talking about Madden, right? Yeah, yeah, you guys had me on last year. I'm thrilled to be back. I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Clint, how many years is this for Madden? And here's a big question, which you may or may not have the answer. How many Madden players are out there right now? Uh, So this is Madden 20. Now that we're launching here, uh, official launch date is August 2nd. Uh, We have early access starting next week for some of our players. Uh, But total number of Madden players. Uh, varies at any given time during the year, but it's it's uh, over five million on average every year. And, can, and I have one more question. I know Steve's got questions for you too. Just about who's playing this game. What is the? Are they kids? Are they gamers? Are they? What's the demographic? And maybe what is the target demographic for gameplay designers like yourself? Our our current demographic really is pretty wide. Um, we have anything from you know eleven, twelve year old kids, potentially even younger, all the way up to forty, fifty year old men. Uh, playing games. Um, I think we talked about it last year. Obviously, we we would like to try to uh, target a little bit younger audience as we keep going down the road here, uh, just like the NFL is doing. Uh, Realistically, they're trying to capture that younger group, those people who are playing Fortnite. I don't know if you guys are aware of that game, but a large large number of younger people playing Fortnite, and we're just trying to capture some experiences that those people are into as they relate to the NFL. Who do you think you're talking to, Clint? Yeah, we're aware of Fortnite. (laughs) Come on, man. Give us a break. What do you? Sure. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> how is this game? What are the? I know that technology drives it. Obviously, it's a it's an electronic video game. I mean, you, but even over the past few years, you've started to expand what the game is capable of. Certainly, when you go on and you watch these games, they almost look like real time video. The players look like themselves. They move well. They move with fluidity and athleticism. And it's really come a long way, technologically speaking. What are the newest innovations? Yeah, like you said, uh, one of, you know the, the main thing we try to do every year is keep pushing more and more authenticity. Uh, so for Madden 20, our creative razor, our goal was to make the stars feel like stars. So we created a system called Superstar X Factors, and it's, it's an abilities progression system in our game where 50 of the most elite NFL players are given special abilities that transcend their ratings that separate them from everyone else in the game. Along with that, there's these X-Factor zone abilities. When you get one of these players in the zone, there's objectives for both the offense and defense to achieve during gameplay. Now you get a player either into or out of the zone that gives them an extra ability, and all of these abilities are really in the inspiration of their real-life counterparts. Glenn, I wonder what drives the changes. Is it the technology or the desire to make it more authentic? I mean, is is it kind of a back-and-forth by-play between those two? I think it's authenticity, number one, and I think number two is just listening to our players, getting data from our players and getting feedback from our players and finding out what they really want the most in each year's game and trying to deliver that. You're talking about players who play the game, not the players who are on the game like the NFL players. Most of the feedback I guess you get from them has to do with their ratings. You guys hear a lot about that at this time of year, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Unless you're one of those four guys who are in that 99 club, you're most likely not happy with your ratings. and. We totally get that. If you're an NFL player, if you don't think you're the best player on the field, then you're going to have a problem. So I totally understand why all those guys think that they should be higher. 
but we have to rate players appropriately to the evidence that we have and to make the game play the most balanced that it can. Who's in the 99 club? So we have four guys to launch the year. We have Aaron Donald from the Rams, Bobby Wagner from the Seahawks, Khalil Mack from the Bears, and DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans. Those are our four 99 club guys. And what does that mean to be 99 club? That means that they are the only four players in the game at launch with a 99 overall rating, which is the highest overall rating that we can assign. And what does and give us some of the? You said that you have a superstar X factor that you, it, during different parts of the game, and you said there's 50 guys out there who are stars in the league who have super. Well, I'm going to say superpowers, uh, be, and they were in, these powers were inspired by each guy's individual gifts and his own career. Give us an example of a guy who has maybe a, a weird superpower that is inspired by by his true life self. I'll give you two two examples of what we're what we're going for there. Number one is our cover athlete Patrick Mahomes, great player coming off a great season. If you complete three passes of over thirty yards or more traveling in the air during a game with Patrick Mahomes, you'll unlock his zone ability, which gives him what's called bazooka, and this ability allows him to throw an eighty-yard pass, which is further than our max pass distance. Our max pass distance in Madden is about 65 yards, 64, 65 yards across the board. That's the furthest we let anyone throw. When you unlock that ability with Mahomes, he can throw it up to 80 yards. Uh, And he is actually on record of having an 83-yard throw. So we may have sold him a little short, but that's exclusive to him. Second one, uh, I know you guys are big-time fans of the Patriots up there (laughs) in Buffalo, but uh, Tom Brady, uh, he has an ability called Pro Reads. Uh, Once you complete five or six consecutive passes with Tom Brady, then you unlock this indicator which will show you as the player, the first player, the first receiver who comes open while Tom Brady's in the zone. For both those guys, Brady and Mahomes, the defense then will get an objective to either sack the quarterback or make an interception, and then you can knock him out of the zone. So there's a little bit of a meta game in there or a mini game for both teams to try to get into the zone and knock the player out of the zone. Online with Clint Oldenburg, he is a Madden NFL gameplay designer, ratings adjuster. He played in the NFL. Steve mentioned it a second ago, uh, Clint, about uh, players react to their rating, which you assigned. I think you've heard this. Tredavious White, Bills cornerback, we all think he's a pretty good player, was on NFL Network earlier this week and had this to say about his rating in the new Madden 20 game. Here's Tredavious White. I did, but I'm not a I'm not a big big guy into uh, video games. I don't really play video games, but uh, I, I feel like they robbed us on a, on on a, on, a, on a lot of our guys, man. I mean, look at Micah Hyde. I feel like he should be in the '90s. He's one of the best safeties in the game for the last the last two years. Uh, him and Jordan, Jordan Poirier, they I, I pretty much think those guys are the best safety duo in the NFL. If you just look at the numbers and look at the 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 way that those guys take the ball away, and then. We got Shady at an 82, which is, which is very disrespectful. And then you got Josh Allen at a 74. Man, it, it, it's something that uh, you know, those guys are gonna pretty much gonna take. You know, I feel like you know, just taking it to the season. That's the extra motivation that we need to get the pretty much get the uh, acknowledgement that we deserve. Bills corner Tredavious White complaining really about the Madden player ratings. Micah Hyde at 86, not 90. Tredavious at 85. And you actually tweeted out, Clint, that you thought Tredavious. Um, could have been rated higher in the men game, right? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Tredavious. So with our ratings adjuster program, we have a team of about eight people who contribute because we don't want just one one person assigning the ratings. So we have a team of people, and, and we have meetings every week. And I was a guy always campaigning for Tredavious White. 
to get either higher ratings or even add on to our superstar list, our X-Factor list that I talked about. But as the season went on, um, he early in the season, he looked like he was approaching shutdown corner status. But the data that we start tracking over the course of the season, teams actually start targeting him about midseason and later in the year, and he, he had a little bit of a fall-off in production. So uh, I think 85 is a good place for him to start. But the most important thing, well, two most important things that these guys should remember uh, number one, we update our ratings every week. So if you're out there balling out and you're showing up on film, your ratings are going to go up. And then secondly, we like to focus on the overall rating, but what's more important is the individual ratings that make up that overall. So a great, great example is your quarterback, Josh Allen. Uh, he has a 74 overall rating, but he has the highest throw power in the game, which is 99. He's the only quarterback in Madden 20 with a 99 throw power. And, Clint, you do this. You're a uh, gameplay designer. The ratings come from uh, just data analysis, film study, a little bit of each. What is, where, how, do, how are they generated? We use anything that we can get our hands on. So we do have film of all 32 NFL teams over the last five years. We watch a ton of game film. Uh, we read a lot of scouting reports. And we use any data outlets that are out there. I know a lot of people use Pro Football Focus. Uh, anything like that. We have next-gen stats, Pro Football Focus. We have a number of data points that we can log into to try to uh, nail these guys down, and we use all of that to come together as a group and figure out where these guys should be. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier in our interview uh, that Patrick Mahomes is the cover athlete for Madden 20. Do you guys give any credence or any thought about you know who you not only that obviously about who you put on and how big a star it is? And Patrick Mahomes seems like a great candidate. Do you remember, is there still any thought about the jinx that uh, happens with all Madden guys, that guys that get on the cover all of a sudden end up getting hurt or not being able to finish the season? I know that that's definitely a thing. I've heard about it. And as a former NFL guy, uh, I would say by the end of the NFL season, 80% of the players in the league probably are injured in some form or fashion and going to miss a game or two. So I think it's going to be pretty hard for anyone to stay healthy regardless if you're on the cover or not. So I, don't, I think the cover – uh, cover curse is a little bit overblown, but I definitely understand why it's the phenomenon that it is. One thing I heard also about Madden 20, you now have the ability to allow players to create uh, their own college quarterback and insert him into the NFL ranks, correct? Yeah, you're referring to our new career mode, which is called Face of the Franchise QB1. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about that, like you said, you can create a player and you can – We have face morphing technology, so you can do whatever you want with the face to make it look as much like yourself as you want. And then you get to go through your path to the draft. So you start out in college. You get to play two college games. We actually have 10 college football teams in Madden, and you get to play through the college playoffs as you approach your NFL draft experience and start your career. Hey, I I was wondering, Clint, you're a former offensive lineman in college and the NFL. Is that the most difficult position group uh, to assign grades to or uh, take us through that process where is it hard to come up with grades for all these players i think the two hardest i think number one is offensive line because if you haven't uh played the position or coached the position or been around it in some form or fashion it's really difficult to to understand what they're trying to do each play yeah without having direct knowledge of what the playbook looks like so that's one area where i try to help the most is identifying what's trying, what's going on on the film with the offensive lineman. I think the second one that's really hard, especially for me, is, is defensive backs. Um, the NFL teams nowadays are so good at disguising their coverages and trying to figure out what their rule sets are, what coverages they're trying to play, play to play, is really difficult. So luckily we do have some other experts in the building who are good at identifying that stuff. But I think those are the two hardest. 
Men 20 is uh, going to be released August 2nd, a couple of weeks away. To, uh, what, what kind of platforms is it available on? And I think you said it's available like in a, in a preview sense right now for certain, uh, for certain people. Is that right, Clint? Yeah, we launch on Xbox One. Uh, that's Microsoft. Uh, Sony PlayStation 4, and we still have our PC SKU. Uh, so your personal computer, uh, those are the three platforms. And then we have EA Access, which is... Um, sort of an early look at the game, uh, which starts on the 25th. Um, that's for people who are subscribed to our EA Access Network. And then our official launch date for Madden 20 is August the 2nd. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was the fantasy mode. Is That that has nothing to do with fantasy football as we use it in the everyday uh, life, right? This is something different, right? What's the fantasy mode of Madden 20? Yeah, Madden Ultimate Team is what you're referring to. This is a cool mode. Uh, it's kind of a, another third of Madden where people can go in and play football. But the meta of that or the minigame of that is building your roster with players from multiple different eras. So you can have three Bills players, two Falcons players, and Barry Sanders and Sean Taylor and build the best team that you can. It's primarily where a lot of our competitive players play uh, because there's a lot of strategy involved at finding the best players and the best values and making sure that your team matches up across anything that you can see. How do you know, uh, I mean, what's the limitations on that? Is there a budget? Is there points that are not? How do you, um, uh, what's to keep two guys from getting the same guys, uh, depending on what their ratings are? There is multiple different ways to play in that mode. One is salary cap, in which case every player item has a cap cost associated with it, so you have to make more strategic choices about where you want to spend your cap and not not spend your cap. Uh, also, we have unlimited, which is you can have any player you want at every position. That's where you see all-star teams. That's why it's kind of known as fantasy football. But in that mode, it's very possible to run up across people who have the same players in the same positions, and that's that's called or Madden Ultimate Team Unlimited. Hey, Clint, what would you say? Some 50 million players, Madden games, right? Is that right? Uh over how many years? I mean, we have about five million on average. Five million okay. every year, you know, give or take, give or take one to two million based on any given time during the year. But I'd say we average about five million active users per year, five million. and okay. you know, every year we're trying to make that number go up. Yeah, sure. And and I was saying to Steve earlier on our show today, Clint, how uh, among your younger players, they probably have no conception of John Madden, who he was, what he did as a coach or a broadcaster. They only know him as the name on this game, right? It would have to, some of those younger guys. No, that that's absolutely true. In fact, we go out to see Coach Madden a couple times a year to pitch the creative vision to him, and he tells us that story all the time. He says, when I go out and I see younger people out in the public, they just call me Madden. It's not Coach, <laughs> it's not John. They just call me Madden, and they just know me as the guy on the video game. And even a step further, a lot of folks don't even know Madden was a coach. They just think Madden is the video game. Now, one last thing for me, uh, Clint, is that give us a sense of how it, one of the things that has happened over recent years is you've gotten the ability to update the information in the games uh, week to week as this season will progress. You know, you'll have Patrick Mahomes' numbers throughout the week. How much time and effort does it take to have that, and what are the deadlines throughout the week for getting the roster set and the injuries updated and, and, the, and the roster fluctuation from week to week, what's the, what are kind of the what's kind of the schedule for that week to week in the NFL season? We try to have our rosters out and live to the public by the time the Thursday night game starts. 
occasionally we can miss that deadline. It's, it's a little bit more frequent to miss it early in the season when there's a lot of roster moves going on. Uh, but our ratings team is working around the clock once the season starts for those first three days of the week to try to get it out by that date. Usually it's, uh, if it's later, it's going to hit after the Thursday night game, later that night. But we're putting in long hours to get those roster updates out as quickly as we can. Hey, Clint, congratulations on a new edition of Madden. Madden 20 comes out on August 2nd, a couple of weeks away. Keep up the good work. Hope we talk again sometime. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Again, pick up your copy on the 2nd. Let us know what you think. You can find us all over Twitter. And uh, really looking forward to watching the Bills play this year. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Clint. There he is. There's Clint Oldenburg with uh, John Murphy and Steve Tasker. We'll take a timeout now. Uh, that's pretty much going to be it for the Madden coverage. We did a lot the past couple days on that. That's probably going to fulfill most people's interest in it. Um, Ristolainen has not been talked about in a while. For good reason. Nothing's really happening in the NHL. You get a signing or two each day. The RFAs are starting to very slowly trickle in. Today was former Sabre prospect JT Comfer, who I speculated would be a good, well, he was never going to get offer sheeted because the NHL, but he would have been a good candidate for that to happen. But we're still sitting here with Ristolainen, and Winnipeg came out today as a interesting landing spot for Risto. And that's if I had to make odds on where he ends up, like the odds on where Ristolainen plays opening night, what's the leader? I would, you probably have to say it's the Sabres just because you have no idea where he'll get traded, but I think Winnipeg would be close. At least. More on uh, the Ristolainen trade speculation that we talked about today, uh, earlier today in the station. Howard and Jeremy especially did. And also, Area 51. What is going to happen in September? What is going to happen at Area 51? Are they going to see aliens? Or is it going to be a complete... Utter disaster. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. That's probably more likely, but we'll find out. I want to go over some options of what could happen there. Because there's only so many things that could happen, but something's going to happen. And your calls as well. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll take a time out here. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Time now for the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Hour two of the nightcap. Some hockey, some bills, whatever you're you're looking for, we'll have it here. Area 51, what is going to happen in September? Something's going to happen. 803-0550, we'll take some calls here. Um, we'll play a little back from uh, the morning show on Ristolainen and maybe Winnipeg being a landing spot for him. That's kind of emerging, I think, as a favorite target. Nikolai Ehlers is an option. Matthew Perot, even though I'm a lot less excited about that. That's about it. 
They got some other nice players, but Ehlers would really be the nice one. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. We'll switch into hockey in just a second. Before we do that, one last call on the Bills uh, for this segment. Chad in South Buffalo has got a thought. Chad, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. John and Steve earlier, and they brought up, uh, I don't know where they heard it from, but somebody picked week three as a make-or-break game for the Bills season. And John said it was kind of a stupid you know, pick, whatever. Okay. I can kind of understand it. The Bengals, week three, the opener, the home opener? Yeah. Now, if we go 0 and 2 and then we come into that week 3 game and we lose, that pretty much breaks the season. Yeah, this might be insane for me. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. You you think the season's over? Like that's the that's the make or break game? If if we lose the two first two and then we lose our home opener, that is I won't say it breaks the season, but that's a very very I, no, it, I think it certainly breaks the season. I, I mean, yeah. holy cow, I, those three teams, especially who they are, they're three of the weaker teams you play on the, on the schedule. I might, It's probably crazy. Maybe I'll regret saying this. I think season's over if you go in two. If you can't beat the Giants, this is not a playoff team. Given everything we've talked about in the past few days, you either have to be better than New England or you have to be better than every non-division winner in the AFC that's not the Chargers. Because you're just not realistically going to be better than them. All ten of them. How many are actually good? Six or seven. Maybe. That's a lot. You can't lose to the Jets and Giants and expect to still make the playoffs. So, it's not just, oh, it's just the first two games of the season. It's 0-2. There's a lot of season left. I get all of that. But... You're talking about opening up against two of the weaker teams you play, and one of which is the team you've been compared to all offseason that you have to be better than to make the playoffs. Like, you just have to be. You have to. There is a 0.001% chance that there are going to be two AFC East teams in the playoffs. So, I'll go a step further. Week three, if they, they can't go to 0-2. That can't be the case. Even if you lose to the Jets, you can't lose to the Giants. I, I, there isn't a situation in the league I'd rather that I less want to be at quarterback than the New York Giants. Daniel Jones is maybe the last first-round pick quarterback in the last few years I'd want, and Eli Manning is one of the last veteran quarterbacks I'd want. It's just a tire fire. They're going to be awful. One of the worst teams in the league. You can't lose to them. I don't care if you're on the road. And I can't believe they're an underdog in early lines in that game. they got to beat the Giants. So... To me, though, that would say, hey, the Bengal game, yeah, that's kind of important, but to, for it to be make or break, you have to be 0-2, and I'm already in a very bad place if this team starts 0-2. They should be better than that. What they really should be, and I think there's a difference here between what they should be and what we expect. I expect them to be, they should be 10-6. and Like, this is the year for that season. What I expect them to be is more 8-8. Eight and eight. Which is within the margin of error there. They could be 10-6. and six. But, I don't know. I, that giant game, I am circled. You can't lose to them. You cannot lose to them. At all. 8030550 is the phone number. Switching to hockey a little bit here. Um, I wanted to talk about Ristolainen in the second hour because we haven't talked about him in a while. And that trade is likely to happen. If a trade is going to happen that's big, that's the one that's likely. I don't know if I want to say it's still likely to happen. Like, what would the odds be that Ristolainen gets traded? Would they be 50 50? 
Because I can totally see Jason Bottrell, even if he really wanted to trade Ristolainen, if he was dead set on doing it, which I don't think he needs to be, but I could definitely understand why he might. If that's the case, given what we went through last year with Ryan O'Reilly, and even though Ristolainen doesn't have the same type of talent, like he's not going to win the Conn Smythe and the Norris. This is not going to happen. But it could blow up in your face again because it is a very good player. But it's not a great player. So... Where do you find that balance? Bringing him back after all the trade speculation all offseason. He makes one mistake on opening night, and we're all going to kill him for it. Like, oh, should have traded him in the offseason. Good old Ristolainen, still here. Bottrell should have traded him while he could. Now he stinks. That, that That's going to be said. Sabres Twitter is a dangerous place when they start losing. And it happens a lot. So... Winnipeg, though, was the team that was brought up today. I love that as a spot. They need right-shot defensemen. They lost Tyler Myers. They traded away Jacob Truba. They have a, they have plenty of good young forwards, and that includes Nikolai Ehlers, who I think is definitely available or should be available. He struggled last year, but he's still very young. Two 60-plus point seasons. I think that's a guy that could be had. You probably have to give up a little more than Risto, but not enough that would scare me away from doing that type of trade. 803 is the phone number. Let's go to David in Kentucky. David, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, I appreciate you guys taking my call. Sure, no problem. I would say, you know, what I what I want from Winnipeg is Ehlers. I'll take Perot, his contract, for two years. And Roslovich, the young uh, center, third-line center, that could possibly play up to second line at some point. Okay. And he asked, I think he's asked for a trade, too. There was a report a couple weeks ago that he actually wants out, too. Ah, uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll take it, and then uh, in return, I give him, give them uh, Ristolainen, um, and truthfully, um, I'd let them pick for an inexpensive one year, uh, third or fourth line center. Give them Larson or Gergensen. Yeah, man, that you're not getting those three players for that though. Like that's just not happening. There's no way. Uh, what if you gave them Borgen and uh, Fitzgerald? Uh, a young, uh, right-handed D. Dude, I think you have to get... Would love your thoughts. Yeah, th- thanks for the call. I, I think you're nuts. How- how's that? I- I'm sorry. I- like, I like your idea. I- I'm a little strong there. I'm sorry. But you're not getting Ehlers, Roslovich, and Perot for Ristolainen in some spare change. It's not happening. I think you'd be lucky to get Ehlers straight up for Ristolainen. And... The alternative, which I think we'll hear from, I'm going to play a little from Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press in this hour. He thinks that it's either you trade Risto and maybe you get, and you have to give up something else small and get Ehlers, or you're looking at a Roslovich and Perot package and that's it. Like, I think that's realistic. Risto has value, but I think you're underselling how valuable Nikolai Ehlers is. Like, he's a good young forward and he is dynamic which is perfect for what this team needs right now in their top six. And Winnipeg knows they have that, and they have him under contract. So they don't really need to trade him. So to think that they would trade him, a good top six winger who has a lot of upside, also trade another good young player in Roslovich, and then another... He's almost like a... He reminds me of Marcus Johansson in, like, caliber of player. You know what I mean? Like, stylistically, they're a little different. But a guy that... You could have in your top six, and it's respectable, but you probably want him on your third line. You're getting all of that, and you're giving up Ristolainen? It's no, no way. It's not happening. Can't see it. 8030550 is the phone number. We're going to take a break in a second. 
And we'll uh, play Jeff Hamilton back from the Winnipeg Free Press. We've kind of been going back and forth, though, Bills and Sabres. So I'll take one more Bills call before we uh, get to the break. Buzz and Buffalo, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Joel, how you doing tonight? Good. How about you? Oh, pretty good. I've taken a break from cooking dinner. All right. Um, what are you cooking? Um, I'm making an Asian noodle salad for me with chicken and a bunch of veggies. Okay. And the, do- and the dogs actually are, are really the ones that are pissed at me because I'm, I'm taking a break because they they also get some of the chicken and chicken mm. mixed in with uh, their veggies and food. But gotcha. They're all staring at me. But anyway, sounds delicious. Yeah, well, it's gonna be good. But um, yeah, I do want to talk about the Bills' offense a bit, and I think you know Dayball. did his hands. He was hamstrung last year for sure, and now you, you got a quarterback coming back that uh, in the second year in a system. That, I mean, he showed some awfully – I thought he showed a lot of promise. I think I'm more optimistic on him than most people, and I did not like him coming out of the draft. But, I mean, the guy's got a world of talent. And I think Dayball is going to be really creative this year. And I wanted to touch on the running back situation. I think Dayball is actually mirroring New England a lot in, in a couple different ways. First, the receiver group, and secondly, the, the running back group. Okay, New England doesn't care if they have a stud wide out. They'll take four average guys, and what that does is if you have a shutdown corner that you're paying $15 million a year to, guess what? He can cover Zay Jones, you know, or whatever, whoever. I mean, they, they, they kind of negate a, a, uh, you know, a top-notch corner, I think. That's the way the Patriots look at it. I think that's the way the Bills are looking at it. I also think the running back group, look at how many running backs uh, New England goes through in a year. So I wouldn't be surprised if all four of those uh, the running backs that we're, we've been talking about are on the roster this year. Yeah, the, see, the, the the tough part there with that comparison to me, though, is New England, every back they have is versatile and can play different roles. The Bills kind of seem to me to have at least three of their four running backs who are a lot better at one thing than the other. Like, you put James White on the field, I think you could run or pass. Same with Burkhead, same with Sony Michelle. I put Frank Gore on the field, and on the defense, I'm not really thinking there's a pass coming. Or if I put Yeldon, if I put Yeldon on the field, I probably think there is a pass coming. I want to address the Frank, and actually, this is one of the main reasons I called. I saw a lot of Frank throughout his career. I lived in the Bay Area for ten years. Mm-hmm. A lot of Frank. And here's the thing about Frank: you put Frank in the backfield, he can run it, but also he's one of the best pass blockers. That's true in the game, and I think that's underrated. So you don't know, and he can catch screens. I'd like to see a little bit of a screen game from the Bills. Geez, I haven't seen that since Thurman Thomas, it seems. But you know they they used to do it a lot with Spiller, but you're right. Like otherwise, they almost never have done it. But I'm telling you, Frank. Frank when Frank's in the back, Frank is, reminds me a lot of Walter Payton. He's a great <sighs> yardage back. Under he's not a big dude, but he's a great short yardage back. He knows where to find the creases. It so that's and like I said, a great pass protector, and he can catch the ball. Frank can do it all. Now he's old and whatever, but I think uh, I think you're going to see a lot of. I think you're going to see a lot more flair. Yeah, Buzz. Buzz, thanks. Thanks for the call, man. I, I mean, I. I Gore, I just can't see that happening. I, I don't see the versatility that you might. Now, I don't disagree that he's a great pass p- protection back, but think about think about the percentages there. Think about the the volume of snaps, the volume of, of passing plays versus running plays. If I have an all around back, if I'm New England and we're talking about comparing the versatility of their four backs versus the versatility of the Bills' four backs, sure. If Gore's back there, he could be the guy that sits there, and they might pass it because he'll be in uh, pass pro. But if I'm New England and I've got White, well, I've got to think about White doing one of three things. And he's not a special talent or anything. Like He's just a versatile back. He could run it out of the backfield. He might pat, He might catch the ball on this play. He might stay in block. 
Gore, he's only going to do two things. He's going to run it or he's going to pass protect. He has not been used as a pass catcher. So if I'm a defense, suddenly I'm worrying about one less thing with my running backs. So yeah, they could still do both, but the odds of it being a pass play are still a lot lower than they would be with these other running backs, even McCoy. McCoy, one of three things could happen. He could run it, he could catch the ball out of the backfield, or he could stay in pass protection. And I just don't think they have enough versatility in their backfield if you're going to carry four guys. It doesn't make sense. Anyways, 8030550 is the phone number. We got off track a little bit there. Back on the bills. That's fine. Um, 8030550, if you got any thoughts. I, wa- I do want to get back into Ristolainen, though, when we return. Uh, Jeff Hamilton has some really interesting thoughts from the Winnipeg Free Press on with the morning show today on Ristolainen and his fit in Winnipeg. That's the team I think we're keying in on. That's the team I'm keying in on, especially, that makes a lot of sense for Risto. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. We'll read through some texts and tweets as well throughout the night. 55550 is the text line at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter. It's the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Welcome back. What's up? How's your night going? It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Left off last segment talking some Ristolainen. Actually, some Bills, but we were doing Ristolainen before that. Um, Winnipeg. How about it? A Jets trade, maybe. It's my favorite spot for him right now. Can't even really think of another one that I'm off the top of my head that makes a lot of sense. For Risto. I mean, Tampa would have made sense, but not really as much anymore. The Callahan is kind of donezo there. Um, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like a fit to me anymore, but you never know. Uh, For the fit in Winnipeg, at least, from the Winnipeg Free Press, Jeff Hamilton joined the station this morning with Howard and Jeremy. Uh, And uh, some good insight from the Jets' point of view on whether Ristolainen makes sense for them and maybe what could be coming back in return, what makes sense for the Sabres off the Jets' roster. Here's Jeff Hamilton with Howard and Jeremy this morning. Let's go to the Western Hotline. We're waiting for another trade from the Sabres. Maybe it's Rasmus Ristolainen. So where would he go if they're trading him? We're looking at teams that might need defensemen, and that brought us to the Winnipeg Jets. A couple reasons why I wanted to talk to Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Ristolainen trade, Nikolai Ehlers, stuff that's floating around out there on the rumor mill. Uh, Jeff is with us right now. It's Howard and Jeremy here in Buffalo. Jeff, welcome to the show, first of all. Gentlemen, what a pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. Well, thanks for coming on in your offseason. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen, first off, let's start there specifically. What are you hearing? Anything connected with the Sabres, with Ristolainen, uh, from Winnipeg's standpoint back there? Well, first off, I don't know if there is an offseason, especially <laughs> with what's been going on last year. But, yeah, I mean, there's been it's been all rumors. I mean, if there's anything that the Jets are really, really, really good at, it's, it's – uh, it's dousing those flames and trying to put those out as they try to work behind the scenes. It's been an interesting. It's been an interesting off season for Winnipeg. Uh, certainly, uh, Rissalainen has been a guy that's been rumored in, 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 the, in this neck of the woods. There's been Jake Gardner's also been a guy from uh, that the Winnipeg Jets have been interested in and have kind of pushed the buttons on. And they're really looking for guys that fit into that range. Uh, you know, that Tyler Myers range, if you will. Uh, for what they had before, just for some cost certainty. And a, a guy like Ristolainen, and obviously making you know the $5.4 million a season, he's the kind of guy that would certainly fit on that group. And, you know, I, I do like the two teams. I think there's some, some certainly some interest there as far as what the pieces Winnipeg could give back. And, and certainly if you, can, if you can get some kind of stabilization on that right side, 
a position that was a, a big, 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 big strength in the Winnipeg Jets, but went over a major overhaul with the loss of Jacob Truba and Tyler Myers. Um, I think you're going to try to at least have that conversation. Yeah, there's definitely a need there, right? I mean, I think if you did a connect the dots thing uh, from Winnipeg's perspective only, I know you mentioned Jake Gardner, maybe the free agent route, but there's definitely after Bufflin, there's what on right side D, right? Oh, I mean, well, that was the thing. I mean, it was it was almost it got to a point where Tyler Myers was frustrated being on this team because it was just such a crowded right side. I mean, he was competing for ice time with Jacob Truba, and of course, as you mentioned, Dustin Buffin, two two you know pretty premier guys, defensive uh, right defenseman in this league. So now now you look at it, and it's quite different. I mean, you have a guy in Neil Pionka you got back in the Jacob Truba trade. He still needs a contract, you know. He's a little bit of an unproven guy, obviously had, had a bit of some offensive flash, but his defensive uh, deficiencies were also just as glaring. So we'll see. You know, I, he's not exactly a fill-in spot there. Uh, and then you look down the lineup, it's Sammy Niku, a guy who, who won AHL Defenseman of the, uh, of the Year a year ago. You know, he's a guy who certainly what you'd think would be able to slot in in that position, but I'm not thinking he's a, he's a top-four D-man just yet. You know, he's a, he's a smaller, thin kid. He can move the puck absolutely. He's definitely got a lot of upside um, but I don't know if you're ready to g- give him those kind of minutes. And behind him, it's you know it really is thin. I mean, it, it, Tucker Pullman is a guy who the the Jets really really liked. Um, got on, you know, was supposed to be his year last year. Unfortunately, he fell into some concussion problems, and then when he got back healthy, it was just injury after injury. Now he's definitely going to be making a jump this year. Uh, but the Winnipeg Jets need to figure that out. I mean, this is a team that that hasn't really been defensively strong for the last couple of years, particularly last season. Uh, just kind of seemed to fall by the wayside. Obviously, two years ago, they were able to make it to the, the West Final, but it was pretty much on the on the heels of their offense and not so much their defense. So adding a, adding, adding a guy with experience and with, with some offensive upside, but also kind of an all-around player, would kind of bring the Jets back to where they used to be. Right now, they're, they're, they're certainly... They're certainly trying to, not scrambling at this point, but certainly looking for that spot. So, Jeff, you mentioned a moment ago trade targets. All right, let's say Bottrell is talking to Winnipeg, and the the Sabres definitely need a center uh, to put in on line two. If they don't use Johansson there, they can make a case for a top two-line right winger. So what about potential trade targets from Winnipeg if indeed they're talking Ristolainen? So if we're going to follow the, the the rumor mill here, I mean, one of the biggest names, of course, is is uh, Nikolai Ehlers. Now, I, I find that to be an interesting conversation only because it fits the Jets' needs. I think that Buffalo, if, if it was to be a Ristolainen trade, I think Buffalo would have to add something to it. I don't know if the Jets are looking to get rid of a, a guy who, although you know, has struggled in the playoffs, you know, everyone knows he hasn't scored a goal in 21 postseason games. That's obviously somewhat of a concern, but this is a guy who. You know, ask the analytics guys. They all love him. He drives play. He's one of the few players in this league who really is that, you know, has really has some great stats moving through the neutral zone. You know, he, he's got a ton of speed. So it is an interesting conversation with him. But, you know, you look at you look at Buffalo's roster and do they need another left winger? I mean, not really. I mean, they, they, they're, they're as log jammed on the left wing, in my opinion, as they are at right D. So, you know, if, if, if Nikolai Ehlers is a piece in that, I, I don't think that's I think that's something that the, the Sabres would probably work around or, or figure out. I mean, anytime you can add a, a legitimate top six forward, you know, of, of Nikolai Ehlers' skill, you know, you want that. But another interesting conversation would be, and you, you mentioned uh, Howard Centerman, is, is that, uh, you know, a Jack Rosovic. You know, Jack Rosovic is, is a guy who hasn't really got his chance here yet. He's got a little bit of opportunity. I shouldn't say that. I mean, he, he, he has... He has seen some time on the first power play unit. He's, he's been up there and, you know, in the top six for, for, 
chunks of, of seasons, but, you know, has predominantly been in the bottom six role and a guy who's kind of waiting to kind of come into his own. He, he, he's certainly not going to be a, the only piece in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I would add in another guy like Matthew Perot. You know, Matthew Perot is a guy who, uh, you know, he, he isn't coming off his best season, but he, he again, the, the, the numbers guys love him. He, 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 can, he can add stability to a, to a second power play unit. I wouldn't be putting him on my first power play unit, but he, he certainly is a, a solid bottom six forward and, and a guy that the Jets, I believe, would be looking to get rid of just to dump his $4.1 million salary. If you, if you put those two guys together, you know, it might not be the, the, the sexy name coming back to the Sabres, but it, I do think it fits it sits two two solid needs and uh, and certainly with 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 the potential of uh, Jack Roslevic not met yet uh, could be a steal actually for your side. Jeff, would Ehlers be a possibility to be able to flip to the right wing, or is that not something that would be advised in in a situation in this case? You know what? I think it's I think it's possible. It did happen in Winnipeg. It, it was more of an emergency situation, like a, an in-game adjustment if they wanted to add him to a, you know a different line or move him up to the first first line because you know you know Blake Wheeler isn't moving off the right the right wing on that top line. So it has happened. I don't know if I mean obviously there's the the advantages um, playing your off wing as far as driving into the middle uh, coming from your off wing. But those are those are skills certainly that Nick Ehlers has, and I know that. I know that's something that the Jets wanted him to do less of early on in his career because he's not exactly the biggest guy, and coming up the middle isn't always a, a great recipe for, for staying healthy. But uh, it, the flexibility is there. I don't know if I would lean on that. I, I don't think Nikolai Ehlers would like to play his off wing like most players. I don't, you know, I think they're most comfortable on their own wing. It's where they played a majority of their career and have had their success. So uh, although I think it's an option, I don't know if it'd be, it'd be the ideal one for a guy like Nick Ehlers. You you mentioned um, Perot a moment ago. So what is what is the cap situation? You know, without knowing what the numbers are at this point for Line A and Connor, do do you think the Jets are in a situation where if they made a trade, it would be quote unquote? You've also got to take a contract as part of this deal. Most likely, and but 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 I mean at the same time, you know, Rasmus versus Line isn't a, isn't a throw-in. You right. know, so I you know that's why I, that's why I feel like that conversation, those trade talks aren't exactly going to be, you know, if the Jets had their way, this is what they do. You know, obviously Buffalo's got to make, got to get what they want in return. But Matthew Pro is a guy who, because he's, you know, at this point, the Jets are trying to shed as much as they can. They still have the option to buy out a guy like Dmitry Kulikov, which, I, you know, I believe they probably will. They, they don't really need him. I don't even know if he fits into their top nine, to be honest with you. Uh, and certainly, or sorry, top six, uh, to be honest with you, I don't even he, he he wasn't in stretches for last season, even when when he was healthy. So, uh, but in that case, in Matthew Perot's case, that four million dollars off the books is just such a huge opportunity for them. You know, I I do think they like him. I, he's not a he's not a player they're just throwing away. They certainly wouldn't buy him out. Um, he's a guy who who certainly has that who offers some value to, to other teams and, and the Jets could just with with those contracts still up in the air. It's going to be a very interesting. You like for many teams. Um, what what they what they sign for 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 Patrick Liney, whether that be a bridge deal or a long term deal, and, and ditto for Kyle Connor. There's not going to be a ton of room left over for for even signing guys like Pionk, who's who's been, um, you know, people have talked as high as 2.9 million dollars a season for him, and of course Andrew Kopp, a little bit of a lesser known name around the NHL, but kind of coming in just below that. So 
you know, you look at you look at with the twenty two and, and twenty two point nine million dollars the Jets have this so far this you know to to spend this year, it's it's really going to get swallowed up soon with with especially those two guys. Hey, final thing on those two guys with Line A or Connor, does either one you think either one could drag into the season like a Nylander thing from last year? I could see both. I could see both dragging. I, to be honest with you, I think you know with this. I don't think it's a Kyle Connor Patrick Line issue. I think it's a, an RFA high end RFA issue for all these teams. So I, you know, you just every I think everyone just gets this sense that they're waiting for the the first shoe to drop. Who's going to sign that first contract? I know Sebastian Ajo with the whole you know offer sheet kind of. I think some people thought that would let level things out. Well, that's kind of yesterday's news, and no one's really focusing on that anymore. And um, you know, I could certainly think. Uh, especially with in-house, you know, when you look at a guy like Patrick Liney, obviously had a, a stellar start to his careers, you know, scoring a hundred goals in the first three seasons, but obviously coming off a, a disappointing season last year where he, he only talked 30 something goals. So, you know, for him, he's not going to want less than Kyle Connor and Kyle Connor is not going to want it less than him. So it's, uh, it, it's Winnipeg particularly finds himself in a situation where they're going to have to kind of massage a couple egos uh, as they work out these deals, but to just again to answer your question, I could I could totally see this getting into the fall and, and potentially threatening uh, uh, training camp. All right, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for the information. Thanks for giving us some time this morning. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Have me on anytime. Take care. There's Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. He talked about Ehlers there. That that is my favorite idea, I think, by far for Ristolainen. I don't know how much more I'd be willing to give up, but I would be willing to give up more if I'm the Sabers. They're kind of like we've. What's funny is we've traded the prospects we wanted to trade as throw-ins. I don't get to use Nylander for this anymore. That's fine. Much rather have Yoki Haru, um, but I don't really have a name as like a throw-in anymore. Our caller last segment wanted to talk about Borgen, but yeah, like I, I would do that, even though I like Borgen. But I mean, middle-tier prospects, you should not ever be afraid to trade those guys. So. Find a way to get Ehlers in a Ristolainen trade, and I'm going to be a I'm going to be a very happy uh, Saber fan going into next season. Most Saber fans should be very happy with that trade. He is fast. He has great hands. His shot is great. Like in terms of offensive, young offensive players in the league, he's about as dynamic as it gets. He's not very. He's not super consistent. At least he wasn't last year. But man, he is dynamic when he's got the puck. Super fast. His foot speed is just incredible. He doesn't really have long strides. He's not like Eichel fast, but his feet move at 1,000 miles an hour. Anyways, 803-0550 is the phone number. More on Ristolainen and uh, the Sabres. Like, what's left to do here? Something's going to happen, right? Has to. They have too many players on the roster. They just have too many players. People have to go. And that's my favorite type of trade. Like a nice two-for-one, three-for-one trade. Get a really good player for a bunch of good players. Can that happen? Or average players, even. We'll see. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, 803-0550 for your thoughts here on WGR. Welcome back. So, have you seen, if you've been on social media at all in the last week, you've seen it, or two weeks. 1.5 million people have now signed up. To storm Area 51. I might have even been one of them. Like early on, just sign up as a joke. Like, oh, let's see how high this number can get. 1.5 million. So I don't know how many people are actually going to show up. Definitely not 1.5 million. I think. I never know, though. I went to the Cleveland Cavaliers Championship Parade a couple years ago, and there was 3 million. So you never know. 
But, what is actually going to happen to this thing? So, the logistics, I don't know if people actually know, like, what, like, where it is. So, it's a huge complex. I think I read it's the biggest uh, military testing something, like, in, in the free world or whatever. 5,000 square miles. It's in the middle of the desert. Really not around anything. So, you got to drive there. And... Clearly, anyone that's defending Area 51, the Air Force, I assume, will see you coming a mile away, 10 miles away, maybe. So, I don't think that's going to work. And, like, you know what? Ideally, like, in a vacuum, yeah, it, it would work. If 1.5 million signed up, if 300,000 people show up, which is probably still a way too high, number-wise, if 300,000 people showed up, they're right. Like, they're planning. You can't, they can't stop all of us. Fair. I mean, they could, but the way that that would, you'd have to do that, I don't think they would. Um, you, you can't arrest all of them, right? You just can't. There's not enough jail space for, to do that. Even though all of these people would be committing felonies, I think, when you're passing into a military zone. Like, no airspace, no nothing. Like, you're not allowed in. And all these people would be getting in? Or are we trying to get in? It'd be a weird, uh, it'd be a very strange story if that, if that, if this actually comes to fruition. The Air Force, I read, is warning everyone, like, away, don't do it. But I, I, I get it. I get the interest. Right? Like, when enough people are in curious about something, you gotta tell them. You have to. Take a poll among Americans that would say, do you want to know what's at Area 51? Even if it's boring. Just so you know. That would come back 100% yes. So you know what? You want to put this event to bed? Just tell us what's there. That's it. Take us on a tour. Whatever. Take uh, 60 minutes on a tour. Or here. I'll, I'll go. We'll have a special nightcap from Area 51. I'll tell you what's in there. Something. Because, I mean, they're not going to... Like, maybe they'll use their planes as, like, a sign of force or whatever. It seems like they're going to use tear gas. Stuff like that. Like, non... Harmful ways of stopping everyone. They got fences, I know. They have to have fences, right? It's Area 51. But I wonder what happens. Are they going to drive cars through these fences? Like, what's their plan? What's the game plan? Who's organizing this stuff? I want to know. Like, who's going to outcoach the other side? Is it possible that the, the, the large group of people storming Area 51 are going to outcoach the Air Force? That seems hard for me to believe. They're either going to win with numbers or they're going to get they're going to get wrecked. What if there's odds on it and who get if they get in or not? It's got to be. They wouldn't be good, I would think. I wonder if that interests them. Like how many people does that actually interest? Because even if like it's a it's a funny gag thing or whatever, even if you truly believe that you're going to get inside, which is not going to happen. You're still taking a risk because some people are going to get you know, arrested. And you could be one of those. You never know. And that's like a felony? Like, no thanks. I'm not even taking that risk. Even if it's like, what would it be? 10 in, like, how many people get arrested out of 300,000 if 300,000 showed up? A hundred? A thousand? Still pretty good odds. I wouldn't want to take it. I'm not that curious, I guess. I'm very curious, though. Like, I, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them to get inside and find out what's in there. Because I am curious. I'm just not, definitely not brave enough at all, to do, or dumb enough, I guess you could say both. I'm not doing it. 
even though I did sign up. So I'm one of the 1.5 million. I'm pretty, I just checked on Facebook. I'm, I was one of the first people to do it, but I just thought it was like a gag thing. I didn't really think this was actually going to happen. It might, it might happen now. There's enough people that signed up. Last call on the nightcap after this. This is Jody Biasi here on WGR. Last call. Got any last thoughts on this Area 51 thing? 8030550. You can get right in. Speaking of Area 51, so this Old Town Road remix has been stuck in my head for days now. This Mason Ramsey, this 11 year old kid who's rapping, the Yodel Kid, as he's otherwise known, it's been stuck in my head. They came out with a music video, like a cartoon music video. It was either today or yesterday. And it's of them storming Area 51. Like, that's the music video. They're breaking into Area 51. So, everyone's having their fun with it. I'm not sure who thinks it's a serious idea and that it might actually happen and who really knows that it's just kind of a joke and then it's not really... It might not happen at all, let alone work. I would think. Anyways, like I said, 8030550, if any you got any th- final thoughts in the last couple minutes here, let's go to Scott. Scott, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Um, what you got? There's no way it, they would get through. No way? Not, not at all? Zero percent chance? Yeah. What, why is that? Uh, uh, I served for enough years. There's, they could drop a minefield within seconds if they need to. There's, they're not going to breach it. There's too many options that the military has, and some of them are non-lethal, some are lethal. Yeah, but they're not going to use lethal force, right, under any circumstance. This is not going to happen. Uh, it depends what's there. If there's weapons and everything mm. there, yeah, they will. You, yeah. When you see those signs yeah. at military installations, you know. Hey, hey Scott, thank, thanks for the call, man. I got to run here. I just I can't. <laughs> no way. This is, not, this is not the direction I wanted to go, talking about lethal versus non-lethal uh, ways of stopping people because it's doesn't, it seems like it's it's going to be like a, a gag thing, right? Like I, I don't think we're ever going to be talking about some serious riot here or something. So I don't even really want to go down that road, just to be honest. Just n- no, not going to happen. There and come on, there would be a certain amount of people at some point where you'd say, all right, maybe the the odds will swing in favor of the uh, the peop- the curious people who'd like to know uh, if there's little green men running around in Area 51. Area 51 is not even the one where they researched UFOs. Do people know that? There was a base in Ohio. That's where they did it. You're going to the wrong place. Area 51 has got a sweet PR team probably. I don't know. Thanks, everybody, for listening. NASCAR fans, stay tuned. Pit Reporters is after this. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 7 o'clock. It's Nightcap with Jody Biasi. Whole show on demand at WGR 550. Have a good night. Signing off here on the Nightcap on WGR.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 